Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about toxicity in relationships, setting boundaries, and cultivating healthy and healing mindsets. This year has brought many changes into our lives, which have ignited new and existing concerns in our relationships. While navigating these challenges can feel overwhelming, it's important to know that we're not alone. Brittany Green, mental health counselor and relationship coach, is joining us to share relationship insights that will help us navigate our daily lives. Thank you for being with us, Brittany. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to just make sure that I just acknowledge that because I'm so honored. So a little bit about me. I am a relationship and transformation coach, and um, I started off my career as a marriage and family therapist and was working with trauma and couples and family systems for about eight years prior to actually moving into the relationship coaching sector. And truly that transition happened so effortlessly because I just needed to reach more people. You know, being a therapist, you're kind of pigeonheld to one state unless you get licensed in multiple states. And I was like, no, I got something a little bit bigger for me. (laughs) I'm supposed to be, you know, be able to talk to more people and reach more people and, you know, help people transform from the inside out. So here I am doing this whole coaching thing and it's been absolutely spectacular. I specialize with like narcissism, dysfunctional family systems and dysfunctional relationships and really help people get to the core, like understanding of like why these relationships keep showing up for them and how they can totally transmute them and like have like the most happy, healthy relationship that they want. But of course, this all started because I was also in (laughs) unhealthy relationships. Um, And I also come from a family that's kind of dysfunctional as well. So I think that's what happens, right? When you live an experience and you kind of make it through and you begin this healing journey, you just want to get back. And that's where I am. Thank you so much. It's just such a blessing to know you. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I know how much you care about helping people and using your experience as a gift, sharing it as a gift. You know, and relationships can really come with complicated layers that build up over time and then they cause issues in our everyday life. Speaking for myself, I was married young and after seven years, we finally divorced, acknowledging we were healthier and happier people apart. And like you and I have talked about so many times before, every relationship is different and unique. But despite that, some healthy practices and mindsets can be applied widely. So I'm really grateful for your passion about helping people navigate challenges in their relationships. It's just so incredibly needed and really important during this era of COVID. So just to make sure we're all starting off on the right same foot, what are we referring to when we say healthy relationship? What does that mean exactly? What are some key characteristics of a healthy relationship? I'm under the belief that we each get to create the relationship that we desire. And like what health means for me may look different for you. But I do believe in my work, most healthy relationships have about like five key components, love, trust, respect, 
communication, and fun. If you really love to organize books and your partner really loves to organize books, that's fun for you. So that's great. But there just has to be those kind of key components in order to really allow the relationship to flourish. Because healthy relationships are more about how well you fight, not how well you get along. If you're choosing a partner, you obviously get along. It's in the times of discomfort, the times of stress, the times that like life brings us, aka we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's a lot of civil unrest right now. It's a year of election here in the States. You know, there's a lot of stress. And if you don't know how to fight well or communicate well, or if you don't have respect for your partner, like you're, it's going to cause a lot of problems. I really appreciate you sharing that, giving some framework for us to kind of keep in mind as we're moving ahead in this conversation. What are some key characteristics of a toxic relationship? Just we have that to, to compare a healthy relationship against. I think that's important to have that in the backdrop as we move forward in our understanding. Yeah. So for a toxic or dysfunctional relationship in the therapeutic world, when someone comes to us for assistance or help, it's because there's some layer of dysfunction or there's, they're not able to function normally in their, in their world. If you are in a relationship where you constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells or you can't be yourself or you feel emotionally like suppressed, or maybe you feel like you're really angry all the time or irritable all the time, right? These are cues that your relationship probably isn't the most healthy. Does it mean that you guys shouldn't be together? Well, no, that's why you would like kind of get that figured out. You know, maybe it's just because of what's going on. It's environmental factors. It's the time of life that you're in, whatever it may be that you could possibly work through. I mean, I've seen some couples really come out of some really very devastating situations and, and be stronger than ever. So it doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed just because you have toxic symptoms right now doesn't mean that your relationship needs to. And so that's really important, I think, whenever I try to distinguish between whether or not someone should break up with their partner or if they're just in a toxic dynamic that needs some ironing out. With COVID unfolding this year, and sticking around for months to come, relationships have been under a lot of pressure. What would you say to people that are discovering things that they didn't know or fully realize about their partners? There's nothing worse than feeling like you're being completely blindsided by your partner's behavior that you never knew existed. But we have to remember that right now we're in a very, very unprecedented experience and time in life. And stress comes out in the weirdest ways. And same with trauma. Your partner may be experiencing some trigger right now that they had no idea was going to come back around for them because who knew that this situation would happen where we'd be stuck with one another all the time or where we couldn't leave our homes, where we're fighting over toilet paper. I mean, come on. It's, like, it's so bizarre what's, what's happening in our world right now. So there are some behaviors that are showing up that you were unsure about. My first thing would say is like, Ask yourself, does this belong to me? Because maybe you're getting triggered by your partner and it's really their stuff to manage, you know, and it's really their trauma coming out, but you feel like it's like something, you know, you're trying to make it about you. If you can try to step back and just pause, like, does this belong to me? Am I like really getting upset by this thing because of what's going on and how it affects me? Or am I getting upset about this thing because I'm not used to my partner responding in their trauma or their stress this way? So when you can kind of at least take that break or that pause, then you'll probably get a pretty, I mean, I like to say that it's clear. I don't think that we always think it's the most clear, especially when it's the matters of the heart. 
it's hard to decipher, discern like our intuition, I think. But if you ask yourself that question, at least you're giving your partnership the honor that it deserves to try to, to navigate this really stressful time. And then if you notice that your partner's behavior maybe has always been this way, and now you, because you're around them more often, it's just more exposed, well, then that's a whole different story. Now you really have um, a window <laughs> into what life is really like with this person that you may have been distracting yourself from or you know, trying to pretend it away, whatever it is, romanticize what you thought the relationship was supposed to be like or what you expected the relationship to look like. And now you're like, nope, the relationship's not like this at all. That's a hard process to go through. I know that experience. One of the things that has helped me so much in my personal experience is having a therapist. I initially thought, okay, we both need to go to therapy. And that was something I was really asking for and looking for a long time. And finally, when it just didn't come together that way, I decided, okay, well, I'll go on my own. I This is confusing. This is hard. This is difficult. And I can't tell what part of this is me and what part of this is you and what's fixable and what's not fixable, what's okay, what's not okay. In talking with someone, they really helped me sort through that. So there's some codependency things that I needed to work on. There was some self-respect and self-love things that I needed to work on that were just making it more confusing for me than maybe it would have been for somebody else. You know, I really needed someone, an independent, knowledgeable person that I could talk to, to kind of unwrap some of this. Because what you just said, you want to respect and honor your partner. And that was something that was so important to me. I didn't want to just walk away. But I also didn't want to keep treading water. So I really like everything that you're saying. And I think it's real just incredible game changer to have someone like yourself that people can go to and talk through it. And they know you're there to help them really get to the truth of it. Not to sway them in one way, one direction or another, but to look at what's the, the core part of this relationship. Can, how can we work through this together? And maybe what are some areas that are deal breakers for people, helping them figure that out? I definitely think like, especially with the, like finding a, a coach or a therapist or somebody to give you that third party perspective is essential. But I also know that everybody's there yet. And as, as a couples coach, like it's so important. Like if two people are not prepared to be there, if they both don't make the choice, then change is very, very unlikely. At least the dynamic, it's going to be more about blaming each other and all of those things. So I love what you said about once that wasn't working, that, you know, maybe you guys weren't on board at the same time. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to go figure my stuff out. Well, heck, that's empowering yourself to learn more about who you are and like how you want to navigate this relationship and what you're deserving of and what you're worthy of. I think when we put all the power and the pressure on our partner, that just adds more like compounded stress and sadness to the relationship and dissatisfaction. Not only are you giving your power away to the other person, but now they have to carry all of it. And it's just not fair in the relationship. And that happens a lot in partnership because life gets hard and difficult. But if you can find like a third party that you really resonate with, Outside of friends and family, y'all, like you can't just <laughs> go to your friends. That's kind of a burden for them too. You know, same thing with your families that can be kind of a burden for them. So hiring a professional who is only paid for your success, you know, that is the only reason why they are there is to help you succeed. 
and then whatever that looks like and give you the most powerful tools possible to help you live a more satisfied love life or have a more satisfied love life, relationship life. Thank you. That just provided a little healing for me. Thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. You know, navigating relationships can feel so overwhelming and difficult. So one of the things that when we were talking about what's really important to share with people, adopting healthy belief systems to help us move forward in a healthier direction, that's of huge importance to you. Can you share more about that with us? And this topic is kind of hard because I think that when you first enter into the healing world, the healing game, you're like, okay, I think I'm finally ready to start this work. It is really hard to come to a place of understanding that you are not the one who's been victimized this whole time, especially if you've been in an abusive relationship. I deal a lot with like narcissism and things like that. So a lot of women who, or men too, because they're both are victimized. They really come from this experience just being like, what the heck just happened to me? I have no idea what happened to me. And so part of my goal is to help people realign with themselves and re-empower themselves. And, and unfortunately, that means that you have to start to understand the belief that allowed you to accept this treatment in the first place. Because there was an allowance. There was this, uh, the boundaries weren't there for you to say no to this relationship. You weren't strong enough at that time to maybe heed the warning signs and release the relationship. So there is a little bit of responsibility that you hold, not for the victimization that you had, not for the abuse, but for why it went unmitigated for so long before you finally decided to take your power back. And so beliefs are the core foundation for everything that we do. It is the subconscious programming that we hold that yields certain patterns of behaving in our world how we see the world. So you and I come from completely different backgrounds, completely different walks of life. You know, maybe there are a lot of similarities, maybe they aren't, but I see that the glass is half, half empty and you see that the glass is half full. I'm like, well, I'm going to be thirsty really soon. You're like, what are you talking about? There's plenty of water. And that's exactly what a belief system does in regards to how we view the world and how we engage in the world. If I'm coming from a place of lack, there's not enough well, then I only see that there's not enough in my environment. If I come from a place of like, wow, there's so much and there's more to give and more to share, then I come from this place that there's enough. And when you are, say you're trying to leave one relationship and enter a new one, or even just take time for yourself, if you have this belief that, oh, there are plenty of other guys out there for me, or there are plenty of other women out there for me, I don't have to worry about releasing this thing that wasn't serving me because there's so many others that, like there's a plethora. If you come from that place, like it is so much less stressful moving on from one relationship that served its purpose, that lent itself to lessons, that gave you so many good things, and then also taught you a lot about yourself. And now you're trying to enter into the new thing that is more like aligned with who you are. But if you feel like everything is like, there's not enough, you are always going to be alone. What if I'm not chosen again? You know, if you have that kind of belief system, then it is very, very scary to re-enter or exit a relationship. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, our belief systems come from our childhood, you know, and that's where it all stems from. It stems from our childhood, the things that we integrated as children from our parents, things that we just saw. Maybe they didn't say anything. They didn't teach us something. But we just saw something. And we internalized it in some form or fashion. And then over the course of time, you know, our partners that we choose, 
start to validate those beliefs that we hold about ourselves. And if we have bad beliefs about ourselves and they get validated time and time again by the people that we choose to surround ourselves with, well, now we're feeling pretty bad. Now we really are living a life that feels really dreadful and dim and dissatisfying and lonely. And so my whole platform is about helping people understand where these beliefs came from, helping people reassign these beliefs and reassign these stories so that they can empower themselves to choose better options in the future. That's so life-changing. Speaking of like our, our belief systems that we have or the things we think about ourselves or even subconsciously, I didn't have a, a real strong sense of self-worth. When I was in relationships, so this is even outside of, you know, not, not just speaking about the marriage, but just in general relationships. When you don't realize your worth, then you do put up with things or accept things, or maybe you don't even recognize the things that are happening in a relationship that are not healthy and they're not okay. You don't even recognize it. And then on the flip side, if you are with someone that is treating you well, you don't know what to do with it. Some, at least for me, like it created some discomfort. It was like, I don't think I'm good enough for this person. I don't know how to interact with this. I don't know how to respond to this. I'm uncomfortable. And then you just, whether you're aware of it or not, you're seeking out the person you really shouldn't even be with because it's what you know. Yes. And truthfully, and what's so painful about it is that you could be the most evolved person. I work with really successful women and men who are still struggling in their love lives. And it's like, how does that not translate? I remember when I was going to grad school to become a therapist, I was in some of the most unhealthy, toxic relationships of my entire life. And I was learning about unhealthy dynamics concurrently. So everything that you said in regards to sometimes you just are so unaware or you just don't want to see it, or you just have such low self-worth or so, you know, like your worthiness factor just is so depleted that you just think that this is all there there is, that this is all that's out there. Also, to your point about self-sabotage, oh my gosh, like I, I just remember this one guy that I dated, he was so nice and so sweet. He lived like an hour away. He drove down to see me to break up with me in person. And was just the kind, gave me a hug and just like, you know, thank you so much for your time. Like the sweetest thing. And in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I know exactly that I sabotaged that relationship, which is why he broke up with me because he was a good guy. So it's not that you don't still attract good people. It's just that you don't perceive them. You don't really necessarily want to be around them. You don't think that you're worthy of them. And that anxiety translates because energy exists and we can all feel it. You really can feel it. It just kind of just stems back to the need to have someone that you trust that you can talk to and say, I feel really uncomfortable in a healthy relationship, you know, and I don't know why. Like this, it, I, you know, and when you're first meeting people, you don't really, they put on their best persona. So we're just, we're saying for the sake of this conversation that it's a healthy relationship, but it's like a whole other conversation to talk about getting to know someone to find out if this is really like all it's cracked up to be. But assuming this is a healthy relationship and I don't feel comfortable. And I guess even you could say to that point, someone who appears to be healthy and whole and they're reaching out to you and you're like, oh, that, there must be a mistake here. Right. <laughs> just like not even feeling worth it enough to just respond back and get to know the person. You know, I've totally been there. And, you know, and it's so it's funny, like when I'm 
when I'm working with someone and then they finally call into their life someone because they feel they're in their worthiness, they feel really good, they're ready. They call into their life somebody who is completely like, they just had no idea that this person exists or this type of person existed. And they just look at me, they're like, are you serious? This has been out here this whole time. I'm like, yeah, I know it's insane, right? But you have to let go of all those false beliefs that say that you're not worthy enough for a good partner. You're not worthy enough for a life mate or somebody is, you know, like good enough to meet all of your needs. Like, I really believe that God gives us the desires of our hearts. And so if you really desire a healthy, loving relationship and you're willing to put in the work to get it, because another thing I feel like the universe, God, whatever you choose to describe, subscribe to that term, it's all the same to me, is like, if you are not a vibrational match for the thing that you're calling in, then of course it's going to be lost. You know, of course it's not going to stay around because you're not necessarily ready to keep it. Um, and if it does come into your life and you push it away, it's because it was more for you to learn a lesson, like you got a little bit more work to do, but it's coming. It's really close. So it's rarely that it's this punishment sort of feeling, you know, when we, when we have love and then we lose it, it's more about learning how to love ourselves again. And that is the foundation of, of every relationship. It's the foundation of your whole life experience, honestly, is what I've been learning. It's that if I love myself and I respect myself, then all of my relationships, all of my friendships, what I choose to do with my life, the way I feel throughout the day, you know, whether I choose to care for my body or whether I, I think I'm deserving of breaks or self-care. I mean, it all stems from your, your sense of value and your ability to love and respect yourself. And it's just, that is like ground zero. That's like the, the platform to work up from. So I just really appreciate your ability to help people really see that and, and embrace that and then to build those healthy relationships or even if it's just a relationship with themselves from that understanding. Yeah. One of the things that has been really difficult for me is learning to set boundaries. And this is something that you recognize as being really important. How can we set boundaries and how do they work? Boundaries are invisible fences. And, you know, I like to think of boundaries. In fact, actually, my one of my clients, one of my clients from when I was working as a therapist, she gave me this visual and she's like, it's like a fence, you know, like a picket fence where you let in all of the good and then you keep out all of the bad, right? So there is porous, but not too porous, you know, and it's rigid, but not too rigid. Like there's still flexibility and flow so that you can be discerning with what you're allowing in and what you decide to leave. So that's what a boundary is in like this invisible sort of like visual way. Now, creating boundaries is really important because creating boundaries is all about worth. When you decide that you are worthy of something or you are no longer tolerating something, that's when you want to implement a boundary. The hardest part about boundaries is not saying what they are. The hardest part about boundaries is I would say like initiating the consequence if somebody doesn't respect it. That's where most people end up kind of faltering on their boundaries because we choose people, we, we teach people how to, how to treat us. And so if you are not respecting the, your own boundary that you set, then why would anybody else need to respect it? That is the subconscious message that you're sending out to the universe that like, oh, this boundary doesn't matter, right? So therefore people just don't respect them. 
it's so hard when you come from a framework of like not being able to express yourself fully or you don't feel like you have the skills to communicate or you're fearful about communicating what that means. So you want to start small, start with like little bitty boundaries. And these little boundaries can be mainly just for you. See if you can stick to something. So it could be something like, I'm just going to wake up every day and I'm going to, it's almost like a little goal. I'm going to go, you know, meditate every morning or something. And that's my boundary. That's my time. No one is going to get in the way of my time. No, the, that 10 minutes every morning. And so that's you setting that boundary and you telling everybody about it. If you're not sticking to it, then now they know that that boundary doesn't really exist. And I really, I, there's a kind of a follow-up question to this. So, and this is coming from somebody who's had to learn boundaries and has, has had to learn to enforce boundaries, like you're just talking about. So one of the follow-up question I have is, I love what you're saying about practicing setting boundaries. I think that's so helpful. When you've had some practice with setting boundaries for yourself, then in that moment when you have to make a decision, check in with yourself and see, because that's part of that self-worth thing, check in with yourself and go, what do I really feel? What would be respectful for me? So let's assume that you're able to do that. And in that moment, you can say, this is what this means to me. This is what this looks like to me. This is what the boundary would be. How would someone like myself that's practicing those healthy boundaries, I think I've said what my boundaries are pretty clearly. And then now's this this moment where is this person respecting it or not? And kind of like, what would be your thoughts or advice on on that? How do you tell when someone is like really respecting your boundary and when they're really pushing it. What do you, does that make sense? Like sometimes it's not super clear. It totally makes sense. And I would just say feeling. So I kind of want to go back real quick before I answer this piece of the question, because I don't think I mentioned that most boundaries are actually implicit than explicit. And so just living your life and saying no to things that you don't want and saying yes to things that you don't want those are like implicit boundaries. Like people are piecing together and patterning and getting to know what it is that you allow and what you don't allow just based off of your behavior, right? You don't have to say anything. And those are the strong, that's like the, when you're really confident in your worth, like you don't really have to state your boundaries. You just show them, like you just show people what they look like by your yeses and your noes. So that's one thing. And then in regards to somebody, like knowing if someone is respecting them or not, for me, it's all about feeling. I get this immediate, like, oh, it, like it's typically like, around my throat, like where I'm like, I can't speak. Like, what are you, this is not, you know, and I just feel like kind of uncomfortable and like, why did you do that? And I get maybe a little irritated or angry. If you have any sort of feeling around someone trying to dance along the lines of your boundary, if it feels good, then you're like, okay, that's cool. Like they're respecting it. Or now I think I trust this person enough to loosen it up a little bit. Like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling and it's fun. I can do this. Versus if someone where it feels like really yucky. And then that's probably an indication. It's not probably, it is an indication that your boundaries are being crossed. You probably need to be more explicit this time or uphold the consequence. So you don't want to keep telling somebody over and over again, but remember I told you that this is my bound. Remember I told you they're going to be like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And then they'll do it again. Oh yeah, cool. Okay. They'll do it again. Right. Versus like, oh, you broke my boundary. Well, you know, I think actually I don't want to talk to you anymore. Or I think we need to have some distance. 
whatever it is, that you can engage in a consequence for somebody breaking that boundary. When you can enact a consequence, it teaches, it's part of the learning process. We can get really into this, but we won't. But there's a, in behavioral learning theory, there is this process of conditioning, a different type of learning. When you engage in a consequence for a behavior, it teaches people. It depends on what the consequence is, if it's positive or negative. But if it's a negative consequence, it teaches people not to do that thing, which we don't do anymore. That was a consequence that kids got that were like, or timeouts, we'll say timeouts. It's a consequence. So it teaches the child like, okay, if you do this thing, you're going to get in a timeout. You probably don't want to do that thing anymore. It's such a layered conversation because it it touches on so many other points, especially if you're talking about boundaries and relationships. And there's the whole other conversation that kind of comes into play about, you know, people's responsibility to be respectful and not putting the pressure all on one person to set this wall of a boundary that they have to enforce. You know, the other person should be cognizant and aware and respectful enough to, to see that boundary, hear that and respect it. So it's like, it gets complicated. And then you talk about boundaries and these other circumstances. And so I know for the purposes of this conversation, we kind of have to be general about it because it is so layered and complicated depending on the person, depending on their history, you know, their trauma responses, the environment, you know, there's just so much that goes into capability and, you know, the nuances of it. Well, I'll also say that like, if someone is continuously because it isn't just your response. It, it is your, so if we are only really responsible for our person, right? Like ourselves, someone continuously is dishonoring our boundaries, then why are we with this person? So again, that goes back to the, one of our first conversations about the toxicity of the relationship, whatever that relationship is, whether it is a co-working relationship or a friendship or a parent-child relationship, whatever that is, romantic partners, if you are continuously allowing someone to dishonor your boundaries without giving a consequence, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. The consequence could be, I, we're done. Like, I'm no longer a part of this relationship or we need a break. That is probably like, I would say that that's probably the number one thing for the women who come to work with me and the men that come to work with me is that they are with people who don't necessarily honor and respect boundaries. And they also haven't stood in their power enough to know that they have the power to release that relationship. They don't have to stay in it. That's your power. Your superpower is like, oh, well, I can just let this go. It may be hard. You're going to have some grief. You're going to have some heartbreak. That's fine. That, you know, it's a normal part of life, but you can release that relationship. And the moment you do, you'll be even more in your worth. And then you will attract somebody who is actually a better fit and, a, and will honor your boundaries. So much deep work, depending on where you're coming from. And and who you are, it's so healing to know that you can connect with your self-worth and that you can have a healthy relationship, that you are deserving of that. And with some practice and with some support, you can set boundaries and they can be respected. There's a lot of people in difficult relationships. You know, this is kind of what we're talking about with COVID. So right now, this is really something that people are going through. And I know it's important for you to help people see and feel and know that they're not alone. What would you share with people who are really just feeling alone right now? Oh man, my heart goes out to you so much. And I know how devastating, how disappointing and hard this is to not be able to engage in a world that was at least somewhat comfortable, somewhat nice, somewhat less isolating. 
And to be, you know, isolated from so many different parts of life is really, really hard and really, really lonely. So I just want to acknowledge that first. And what I would say is that, honestly, what I'm about to say is a little controversial for people who are going through the feeling of loneliness, but that's just it. Loneliness is a feeling. Being alone, maybe not necessarily during the coronavirus, but is also a choice, right? So there is a way for you to feel empowered in your decision to be alone and not necessarily feel lonely. And then there's also a way for you to honor your feelings of loneliness in order to express it and release it and allow it to be so that it's not stuck in your system. We, like my whole belief system is the fact that we as humans need relationship in order to thrive. It is like the foundation of who it, what it means to be human. And so when we're isolated from these you know, other people, it can be so hard to feel even human at times, right? And have, feel connected to anything. I will say a couple things. So first off, I've met a really, a lot of really cool people right around this time. I moved to a different state. I have no friends out here. I, my fiance, he works like 45 minutes away. I work from home. So I'm home by myself all the time and I didn't have anybody. I've met some really, really cool people on the internet. I just set the intention that I was going to attract more soul aligned friendships than I was ever, ever thought was possible. And I really have. I'm, I've probably made like four really good girlfriends just from being online, just from being a part of the right communities. It, it's pretty incredible. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, is say, you know, I know that I, you know, I did this one post on Instagram not too long ago. And it was like, just because you're in the middle of a pandemic doesn't mean you have to go dumpster diving on Cupid, right? So like when you're like in the middle of feeling lonely, you might get drawn to people and experiences that you might not necessarily would have ever chosen for yourself. So just know that actually a lot of people are actually finding beautiful dating relationships right now. And I actually think it's actually more beautiful to date during this like kind of weird framework because it is making it okay for us to meet someone like face to face over the internet first on like a coffee Zoom date or something versus going out and like meeting them in person, which can, can be really, really uncomfortable and a little scary. And, you know, it just depends on where you're at in your mindset about it. But it's actually a really great time to date. And then for those of you who feel lonely, and you're with someone, because that also happens. I remember there were the most excruciatingly painful times when I had a partnership and I felt more alone than I ever felt by myself. Well, that is a huge indicator that you probably should not be in that relationship. Maybe the relationship itself isn't like toxic, but maybe you've outgrown it. Or maybe it is toxic and it's time for you to leave. But feeling lonely is just an indication that we need more connection. And whatever way we choose to get that connection is up to us. And we have to take the inspired action in order to make that kind of happen. Like I said, really great girlfriends. I know people who are dating during this time. And if you're in a relationship that feels like you're alone, you probably shouldn't be in it. I've met so many really great people too. And it's just brought a wide variety of fulfillment. I think I put too much pressure on a single relationship. You know, just that that person would meet so many needs. And then in one of the gifts of stepping out and really taking time to heal for myself and all of that. There was a lot of beautiful relationships that came from it, friendships. 
experiences and opportunities and connections that wouldn't have otherwise. So I love everything that you're sharing. So what should people know if they are thinking of leaving an unhealthy relationship or if they're in the process of coming out of one, what would you share with them? If you're in a relationship and you're thinking about leaving, my biggest advice for you is to create a plan. So make sure that you are, you know, like you're financially sound, like you're not worried or dependent on this other person. Make sure that you have your support team in your in your corner, whether it's your friends, family, coaches, like whatever, just somebody to kind of strengthen, strengthen your motivation because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to convince you to go back. And you need those people to be like, nah, you got this. You, you can do it. You're almost there kind of thing because that'll really help you feel the fire. And then just uh, honor your grief. There's going to be a lot of grief and that's okay because you're grieving the loss of a life that didn't come to fruition like you thought it was going to. The expectations that you built up in building a life with someone, I mean, it's painful to let go of those beliefs and those expectations. So it's okay to grieve and just honor your own grief. And that's okay as long as you have support in your corner. It'll be, it'll make it a little bit less, we'll say lonely, or it'll make it a little bit easier. For those who are out of a relationship or just recently out of a relationship, same thing, really. Like keep your support, make sure that you are doing things that make you feel confident and good about yourself. I would say honor your freedom. Start dating yourself. You know, take yourself on little dates or on little weekend getaways, anything to just honor yourself for making the choice of getting out of a relationship that was unhealthy. We have to do more of that. I think it's really important for us to really honor our choices and trust ourselves and like you did that for a reason and be glad, even if you are still grieving. And then, you know, again, with the grief, it's going to come in waves and that's completely okay. Just allow yourself to feel so it doesn't get stuck. Because when we distract ourselves and stuff that emotion or just like do unhealthy things, you maybe rush into a new relationship, you're not really honoring everything that you, that you learned and you're not integrating why you left in a healthy way. And so I would say just take a little time for yourself first before you jump into the next thing. Well, that segues perfectly into the next question, which is what would you say to people who are looking for support? For me, I know, especially being a therapist, because I feel like as a therapist, unlike how life is now, right, with social media and coaches everywhere, and they're just, you know, on all sorts of platforms and you can consume their content and do all these things. Say you're looking for a therapist in particular, someone who can help you heal deep wounds and deep trauma and just hold space. You're not necessarily ready to like take the action or the motivation to get to the next level of your life. You're just trying to heal. If you're looking for a therapist, it's okay. Date your therapist. Go to multiple before you make a decision. Sometimes you'll get lucky in your first one that you get. I like to toot my own horn. Most of the people who found me, they loved me, so they stayed. But it's okay if you don't love your therapist the first time or even the second one. Just do a little dating of your therapist, get to know them. And then from there, decide if you want to stay with them for a long term because it's a relationship. If there's no trust, there is no relationship. And you have to have trust in the person that you are help getting, like entrusting to help you on this process. And then when it comes to coaches, there are so many gurus out there. There are so many people who are coaches and doing the thing. I would go after someone who has the life that I want who feels like, feel has the energy that I want. It's it's a lot less about just the lifestyle. I just like the energy. Like, does this person feel happy about their life? Are they in a relationship? Are they doing a relationship well? 
Do they feel like, you know, they're on the journey and like learning? Like, how do you vibe with that person? And the cool thing is, is again, with social media, all of the different platforms, you have access to tons and tons of content to help you get to know whether or not you vibe well. But I will say this, do not just think that scrolling on Instagram or joining a free group is going to get you the results that you want. You have to actually do the work. And that work means that you actually have to face yourself. You have to face those demons, for lack of a better word. You have to really get down to the root of the limiting beliefs that have caused some of the tension or the dysfunction in your relationships because it probably started from your relationships as a child moving forward. And if you don't really unearth that stuff first and you're just consuming content, it's almost like you're falling prey to the same social media technique, which is little dopamine hit here, little dopamine hit there. I mean, like, and then after a while, you're just like seeking out dopamine hits without any true change. Don't be complacent. Do something. Hire. If you can't afford to hire a coach, then get a course or like some content, something. Invest. When you invest into yourself, like I remember there was a time where I didn't even know that that was something I was supposed to do. I didn't even know that, that was normal. Like, of course I invested in school, but that was even a different feel like, you know, versus investing in myself and in my personal development and growth. And when you do that, oh my gosh, the world opens up because it's now it's like this like petition. Okay. Yes. I'm saying yes to me. I'm going to trust me to be able to get to this next level. And I'm going to entrust this person to help me get there. And by gosh, because you put the investment in, there's no way that you won't reach that next level. It just like, it happens. Invest in yourself. When you are looking for support, invest. Don't just seek your friends out for their help because they're going to give you conflicting information. It's going to make you more confused. Seek out somebody who's completely impartial to what's going on in your life so that they can give you a more clear perspective and do the work. Is there a final thought that you'd like to share with our listeners? So I feel like this would be a really good time to do a little inspiration. I'm a big believer in affirmations. I'm a big believer in gratitude. I just want to honor our time. And I'm just so grateful for you listening. And so I just want to offer you some, some little words of encouragement, okay? So take a deep breath in. Release. You are the most incredible being and so unique. You are rememberable. You are courageous. There's nothing that can stop you from reaching what you desire because your desires have been implanted in your heart for a reason. You can trust yourself. You can trust yourself to set the boundaries that you need. You can trust yourself in relationship. You can trust yourself to be insightful and have strong intuition. And you deserve the world. You deserve a healthy relationship. There's nothing that is stopping you from having that healthy relationship besides just the fact that maybe you don't know that it's there yet. And you are going to have the most incredible life journey as long as you continue on this process, as long as you continue to trust that everything that's unfolding before you is meant for you. I hope that this lends itself to creating some momentum in like whatever it is that you're seeking out and whatever help that you need. And yeah, I just want to just say thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us. For those of us that would like to stay connected and engaged with you, how can we stay in touch and what's the best way to contact you? The best way to connect with me probably is going to my website, super simple, brittanyrosegreen.com. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's brittanyrosegreen. And that's my handle. So you can see my lives there. You can see some of my videos and... 
And if you want to reach out, just shoot me a DM or email me from my website and I can direct you to something fun, something that you might need. Thank you for a powerful and purposeful conversation today, Brittany. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Amy. This is lovely. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.